Welcome to Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets Antenna Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Day one of the 2023 Division I Men's ITA National Indoor Championships is officially in the books. What a day of tennis. We were all treated to at the XS Tennis Village here in Chicago. Of course, to those of you listeners who aren't following from home, join the stream folks. You're missing out on some of the best, if not the best weekend of college tennis we will have all year long. You've got eight more guaranteed top 16 matchups over the course of the next two days. Of course, Monday, we'll look to crown a men's national indoor champion as well. Coverage of the entire event available from first ball to last over on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. That said, to help supplement our coverage of the event, of course, what we plan on doing each and every day here on this Great Shot podcast feed is coming on as soon as the action concludes to recap everything that unfolded throughout any given day of this event. Of course, again, joining me as he will each and every night to help recap the ITA Division One Men's National Indoor Team Championships. A man you all know best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed UTR. One of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, the professor, the lean mean vegan machine. It's our dear friend, Chris Halioris. Chris, I'm really not sure after 15 hours of speaking, if that introduction made any sense, I defer to you. Hey, great shot. Is it pretty clear what we're going to be doing here on today's show to you? I, I think it's clear and uh, <laughs> and succinctly, you know, abbreviated the intro due to the long day. I like it. Look at that. Actually, when I'm at my most fatigued, that's when I'm at my most concise. This is the only time (laughs) that'll happen. That's a reward to you, Chris. I've spent so much time talking. My body is like, all right, dude, pick your words wisely. Please, come on. It's hour number 20 of you speaking on the day. Can you be a little bit more efficient? But to your point, to, to my point, to all of our points. Again, this is where the English goes off the rails, and it's going to get a little funky here on tonight's shows. If you've ever listened to our daily ITA Indoor Recap Podcast, you know Chris and I like to record late at night when both of us are deadly tired. So the funk is part of the purpose, but our plan for today's show to help talk, to help touch on each and every one of the teams that competed here on Friday at the National Indoors. What we plan to do is go take for take. We did this last weekend with John Parsons when we recapped all of the women's action. We're going to run through all eight of our round of 16 matches. What Chris and I are going to do is offer one take on each of the teams that competed throughout the course of the day. Now, we'll start chronologically. You'll be able to find when we talk about who in the description to this podcast. But again, one take per team. Will we break that rule? Absolutely. Will we build off each other's takes? And in English, you say, will we build off each other's takes? Leave it all in, Westoff? Absolutely. Are we, again, will there be some incoherence on this show? No doubt about it. That's half the fun of these nighttime shows following the National Indoors. But we want to run you through all the round of 16s, talk about the upsets, talk about the players who did or did not stand out. That's the plan here on today's show. Of course, a shout out. To our dear friends at LLS as well as Swing Vision for their support of everything we do to bring attention to the college tennis world. With all of that in mind, let's start big picture, 10,000-foot view, Chris Halioris. Today's day one of the National Indoors. More surprising or more expected results overall? 
Uh, more, I mean, overall, more expected. I mean, okay. kind of, you know, we obviously, and we'll get into it, we didn't get straight chalk, but I think kind of the expectation and the way I went into it looking was, hey, we got to see of eight matches, we probably see one upset. I picked the wrong one, but, you know, <laughs> I, but I think that was kind of, that was kind of my expectation is probably one upset, maybe two. I didn't expect chalk and that's what we got. Yeah, well said. I think the expectation for both of us, as we discussed in our preview show, parity was going to be the name of the game. Every team's got depth. And I know we're going to look at the scoreboard after the tournament or three years from now. You'll see Ohio State beat Illinois 4-0 in their round of 16 match. Let the record show that match got really close as things progressed. And it's actually fascinating watching some of the matches throughout the course of the day. You had, you know, a 4-3 match between Virginia and Tennessee, a match that really finished, well, it finished 4-3 because Monday ended up beating Montez. So that was a 4-3 thriller. You know, every match singles-wise in that duel felt tightly contested. There were no blowouts in a match like that. There were no blowouts in Stanford, Michigan, where just about every singles match came down to the wire of either set number one or set number two. And then, you know, it's so funny because Georgia, South Carolina kind of felt like two separate blowouts, right? South Carolina blew out Georgia in the doubles. They blew them out at one. They blew them out at two. You know, for Georgia, it was all Georgia at four, five, six. And then it was like, okay, you get one good match at the number three singles position in that battle. More broadly, the point I'm trying to make here, Chris, is I think it was more expected than surprised because we saw that parody, we saw that depth, we saw the experience I felt on display for just about everyone, Chris. Like outside of Cooksey at six, and he ultimately gets over the finish line. I don't think we saw any freshman puppy dog eyes. Like, it was very competitive from the start, and that's what we thought it would be. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and we've talked about this before, the, the margins are slim. Yes. And the better teams just always seem, you know, always, almost always seem to just find a way. But it's not like you expect, I mean, yeah, we'll get in maybe TCU Baylor or something. But, you know, there, there are, you know, very few, though, are, is it just – it's a whitewash. I mean, most of these matches, to your point, even when you see 4-0 in many cases, it's like, well, yeah, 4-0, but the other three matches could have easily gone the other way and have been 4-3 if we play it out or or 5-2, and it's not as clear-cut as it looks when they clinch and stop. Yeah, most most of these matches had a lot of close, a, a lot of close matches between the guys, and it's just, you know, it's just a matter of the the better teams finding a way to get it done. I will say the biggest surprise, though, you know, teams went four and four, depending on whether they won or lost the doubles point. It didn't matter today. Like, Georgia overcomes a doubles point deficit. USC overcomes a doubles point deficit, where they got blitzed, by the way, against UNC. Michigan overcomes the doubles point deficit. Simultaneously, UOVA overcomes the doubles point deficit. That did not happen last weekend in Seattle. And it has me wondering, I suppose to the point of expected, yes, there's depth, there's parity everywhere. Is there still some separation, though? Are we actually starting to see some tiers emerge where it's like, oh, you're very good, you're going to play us tight, but you just don't have that option at four, or you do have a weak spot at six, and that's the difference between you and Team X or Y or Z. 
my my conclusion from day number one's data is we need more data, Chris. Like that that's the real takeaway, right? Yeah, and I well, and and you also have on day one. Granted, the you know your eight nine seven ten type matchups are going to be close no matter what. Yeah. But you get into opportunities potentially for teams that to lose the doubles point that maybe are a little more stacked on the single side. And look, I, we we talked about it on the preview. I expected USC to drop the doubles point to North Carolina. North Carolina is uh, so good at doubles. Always. Yeah, and the problem is just USC is so good at singles. Uh, yeah, sure. You know, it's but but that's not something that you know we we would have said we didn't see coming. Now, a really good Michigan team in doubles to a team that's really struggled in doubles so far in Stanford. For that to for Michigan to lose it, now that was really surprising, and and to me went, oh boy, maybe there actually is a chance here because you're never going to count Ferry out, you're never going to count Basing out, and that all of a sudden you go, wow, I you know ninety percent expected one zero Michigan after doubles in that match, so uh, yeah, it gets it's it, I but I think you to your point, there are there are just some teams that are so much better in singles than the bottom half of the draw that they were able to overcome it. I cannot believe, you know what, Never, uh, that Georgia won matches three through six. Like, maybe yeah, we, we should we just— got to get into—that's yeah, the first match say, anyway. Save so. it for the, well, save it for the takes in a second. No, you're absolutely right. Again, what I what we're going to promise to do for our listeners, you want to do a tears co- uh, topic in the next— not T-E-A-R-S, but T-I-E-R-S, a tears co- uh, topic on our next episode of The Deciding Point. Coming out of the national indoors, let's figure out who are the tier one national championship contenders. Who's tier two in that— Top eight seed hunt. Tier three, of course, uh, a top 16 seed potential. I actually think we're starting to delineate, maybe not between one and two, but between two and three. I do think there's starting to be some separation. And with all of that said, let's get into the lessons we learned throughout the course of day number one. Again, we have eight round of 16 matches to discuss what Chris and I are going to do. Lobby back and forth, take for take. We'll offer one take on each team that competed here on day number one. Let's start with a higher ranked seed. At the 9 a.m. hour, TCU ultimately a 4-0 victory over Baylor. Now, here are the notable takeaways. A, Louis Maxted out in doubles. In, J.P. J. Jack Pennington-Jones, who, by the way, followed me on Twitter today. Let's go. 6-3 victory for the Hone Frogs at that number two spot, J.P. J. and Jong. And then... Just today? Yeah, well, he probably didn't know who, like... Man, that's that's too bad. I think I got it last week. I hate to burst your bubble. Well, let's just be clear. I mean... (laughs) I'm way cooler than you. Let's go. Chill. You know what? I'm not. You're not baiting me. Cation baited me all day. I'm done being baited here at this point. Chris. It's the you're not old guy thing. Me. We baited. Yeah, you. you're very good at it, for the record. Um, yeah. Anyways, Jong JPJ six three win at two. Gorsny Vives continue to do their thing. Six three win at the number three spot. Things seem to be go- going according to plan. And for what it's worth, Baylor did have Finn Bass back in the lineup. Bass, who's playing the number three singles position, he takes a first set from JPJ. That was really, though, the only success for Baylor in the first hour. Bears ultimately end up taking five first sets. Now, credit to Baylor, who showed us a fight I wasn't certain that they had in them, whether it be second set from Miladinovic, you know, second set from uh, Luke Koenig, uh, second set from Mizuchi, who seemed to finally be regaining his rhythm, even though there was the massive deficit in the third set win the match. And more broadly, the point is 4-0, TCU wins. I don't think that's a reflection of how close this match actually was, particularly down the home stretch. That way, that said, Chris, 
I think my first takeaway from this TCU team is they are as good as advertised. They didn't even play their best today, and yet five first sets. They don't drop a single match. It looked like they were probably going to win 7-0 by the end because, again, JPJ's up 5-2 in the third. Gorsney 4-2 in the third. Max had 5-love in the third. That's my takeaway. This TCU team is as good as advertised. What's yours? Yeah, I was, that's that's exactly my take. To your point, it got a little close, but these guys are just that they're they're rock solid. They're exactly what we thought we were going to see, and I didn't expect to. You know, yes, to your point, some you know there were three three setters in there. TCU was up a break or more in every single one of them, uh, so they you know likely likely going to be seven zero, but they were just they're just too good for that. We need you know we need a tighter match here to really judge and, and, you know, put them to the test, but yeah, they're, they're that good. And we're, it's, we're yet to see how, how good. Yeah. JPJ is the real deal. Physically, he can hang with any of these guys already. He's got some weapons. He and Jong are a really fun doubles team because they stay calm, but Jong keeps, you know, JPJ is intense and yet Sander keeps him calm. I will say, you could tell he was a little gun-shy at first. And credit to Finn Bass, who just came out swinging at the number three spot, was playing big, trying to take it to JPJ, keep him on his back foot. But again, by the end, JPJ found his rhythm. He had Finn stretched in the outer thirds. I will say, first time watching Gorsney, another guy really good at everything. I just feel like the better the competition, the better the Gorsney. I do want to give a shout-out to David Roditi, and it's – Look, it's twofold. It's a lot easier to overrule your player on a call you don't like when you're up five first sets and very clearly going to win the match 4-0. But for all second set, things had begun to tighten. Baylor was making pushes in a couple of different places. And credit to David Rodini, who didn't like a call Luke Famba made. He overruled Famba. Famba was not happy about it. But ultimately, the tennis gods rewarded I don't want to say an act of chivalry, but I suppose an act of gaining good karma in the tennis world. I guess we'll do one take, one question. Here's the question for TCU. Do you feel like the sixth position is solved? Like, I do feel like we might see a different guy play each of these first three days. Yeah, I don't think there's any chance we see Max Ned play every day. Yeah. Uh, I, so, no, I don't think the sixth position is solved. Yeah, good match from him today, but that's not to say that, you know, either of the other two guys they could have put there couldn't have either won it in straights and got out of there or done just the same thing. We don't know. And, and, you know, I, I was listening uh, to your talk with coach Roditi after that match and to, you know, to him speak very, you know, eloquently about how he's got to sit Jirasek down and, you know, and basically, and say, sorry, you're not playing today. you like, you know, it's not because we don't, you know, nobody doesn't dislike you or, or anything else. It's I got to pick six guys. And, you know, to his, you know, to his point, he's got eight legit candidates for those six spots. Two guys are sitting every day. And I think he's, I think we will see, and it won't be clearly, obviously, because the competition only gets better from here. It's not going to be because he thinks he can win and he can afford to rotate guys for playing time. He's, Get, he's going to give give the guys that are ready and deserve a look a look, and uh, and I think he's confident enough that they ought to be able to win with any of those guys. So they're probably all going to get a look. Yeah, very well said. I mean, again, Vives clinches the national indoors last year at the number four spot. Max had a huge win over Robert Cash at six, and all these guys are a year more experienced. 
I will also say Jake Fernley's the real deal. Like, I thought there's no way he should be playing one. He's not better than Famba. He's not better than Pennington Jones. He is moving so well right now, ripping the forehand. I mean, again, there's no world where this Sander Jong should be at four singles. He is. This team is that good. Let's do the flip side, Baylor. Love the fight. I saw today from these Baylor Bears. Finn Bass first set, whether it was Koenig slowly finding his rhythm at five. Mizuchi finally getting a set against someone, dare I say, of equal level at that number six spot. Now, again, ultimately it looked like they were going to drop that match 7-0. But if I look at this Baylor team, there's not a doubt in my mind that they are going to be a top 16 team. Can they threaten Tier 2? That's both the question and the take I have. Is I'm not sure yet if they fight like this, though, they're going to beat a Tier 2 team, and they might end up in that top 8. Like, they, they could beat Texas with this sort of fight. Or, or be, you know, again, just be in the mix. Yeah, be in the mix, maybe. I think that That's my take, is that the team certainly, you know— uh, unlike maybe some other teams that that are that might be apt to, th- to throw the towel in, this team has all kinds of fight. The take is they're just undermanned for tier one. They're not, yeah. you know, they're not. They just they, they're no, not. They don't have the big it. guns. They got. Yeah. They have seven or eight really good three through six players. They right. don't have. A, Teddy's playing great. You know, again, all Zombor, Finn, all these guys are very good players. I just don't know if they have the big guns this year, right? And and that's going to be that's going to be the the struggle, right? And so so they're going to have to figure out uh, clearly if that's your dilemma, you have to be good in doubles, mm-hmm. and they're not quite there yet either. So so they've got to figure the doubles out, and then yeah, they've got to you know really work on three through six because one and two, frankly, against the top level teams are going to be tough. So I think to your point, yeah. That's the takeaway. They're not. They're not going to challenge a tier one team. Can they? Ch- can they be in the in the mix in that tier two group? That's that's the question. Yeah. All right. With all of that said, we're going to go much faster the rest of the way. TCU for a win over Baylor to set up a match with Georgia. Let's start on the Georgia side of things. Here's my takeaway. That was a really boring four three win, and I know that's not the take you were all looking for, but like. It was kind of blowout city in a couple of places. Like, again, Samuel Thompson were kind of up a breaker. It was a fun doubles point. It did go down to a couple of breakers. So I suppose the doubles point was particularly intriguing. But, like, outside of that, you had five straight set matches in singles. This came down to a three-set thriller at the number three spot. But, like, I guess when I'm looking at this Georgia team, you know, the question I ask now, like, this is the recipe you're running? Bride, Kreuter, Juska, Perez-Pena. I don't think any of us would have written up those four after dropping the doubles point. Maybe in this match specifically, but, I mean, Chris, I guess my question slash take is, is Georgia now deep? Like, is that what we're arguing now? No, not at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, let's not get carried away. Anything can happen on them one, any given day, right? So what, if this tells you more about South Carolina. On- this tells you more uh-huh. about the South Carolina depth than moving forward. Yeah. I mean, from a the Georgia take here, right, is, yeah, just, I mean, for me, okay, the Georgia take is huge MVP day for Teddy Juska, right? I mean, that's, they he got slid down. He's not had a good January, and they needed that out of him and then followed up with Bride. To, I agree with you. 
very boring five straight set matches, right? Doubles was good, but five straight set matches. And then it comes down to a full set on three after everything else was already done. At least that added a little bit of, you know, fun to it. Uh, you know, you had one match on court and that was it. But yeah, that's a, I mean, George is not going to win a lot of matches if they're counting on dropping dubs one, two and having to win three through six. They got away with it today. And that's not going to happen very often. The good news for them is, there are some, you know, you look at other teams in the SEC that they're going to be competing with, you know, like a Tennessee who you say the exact same thing about week five, six, Georgia, you look at them right now, week five, six. Now, hopefully Teddy down there is, is going to make it better. But yeah. but yeah, it was it was boring, a great win for them. And my other takeaway is that that could be kind of a, you know, I know you love to use this, the whole kind of turning point yeah. metaphor. Well, do you that know why be- that is? It's because my coach back in the day, it would be like 17-14 in a ground stroke game that he's feeding in that we're playing, and you'd win a tough point for 17-15, and you go, that could be the turning yeah. point. And so and, it's just and burned this, into my head forever. Yeah, this could be that turning point this year for Trent Bride. He needed that, you know, the whole team watching him. He's the guy that came through just the thing to get him going at the start of indoors here. But something's got to give for Ethan Quinn. They're not going to win if he keeps playing like he's playing. No, I mean, look, when we move outdoors, it'll be the, a fresh start, I suppose, for Ethan Quinn. But I guess to finish that thought on Georgia, here's the glass half full. Holy shit, did Teodoro Juska need a win? Like, he needed a win more than maybe any player in the country. And he got it at the number five spot. And look, Hull was competitive down the home stretch of that second set. Same deal with, you know, James Story was up a break on Kreuter for most of the second set on four. And, you know, again, you, you how quickly you're like, no, Georgia's not deep. Here's what I will say. I feel good about Kreuter against anyone at four in a vacuum. Yes. If this is the Theodore Jusko we're going to get, you feel a little bit better about him at the five spot. And then this was by far the best I've ever seen Miguel Perez-Pena play. Now, it's one day, but I'm just saying if this is the day you're getting from the bottom of the lineup, then you feel like you're usually going to go one and one. Between Henning and Quinn, you're going to get at least one win out of the top two. I mean, especially after they lost to Illinois on Wednesday. Oh, my God, did Georgia need this win, and they got it. And then I guess the real take is, how do you not feel good for Trent Bride? For Trent Bride, who has struggled so much over the past year and a half, you could argue his struggles are directly part of the reason this Georgia team hasn't accomplished what they typically accomplish as a program over the course of the past few years. And, you know, it's Bride who comes through in the clutch. Big serving down the home stretch as well. It's just what the doctor ordered for he and the program. Georgia, again, maybe the most boring 4-3 win you will ever see. But a 4-3 win, nevertheless. Now, on the flip side, South Carolina, you take doubles. That doubles point is as good and as clutch as anticipated for another Josh Goffey team. You can't lose three through six. You just can't. You can't only take one set in those four positions, especially on a day where you're never going to sweep the top two. Like, that never happens when you're playing a team of equal talent. And Thompson and Samuel are maybe the best top two in form right now in the country. Like, they just rack up the wins for this Gamecock team. I mean, glass half full, they're real. Like, they are that legitimate as a top two. They are perhaps the best doubles team, Thompson uh, Samuel, in the country. I mean, is, is this a blip on the radar, or is there a long-term concern coming out of this one if you're Coach Goffey? I, I don't think there's any long-term concern. I think it's going to be the same concern 
when you're talking about something like an NCAA quarterfinal and on sure. type type setup for them where they know they're good at doubles, they know they compete at at one two with anybody, and then there's always there's been the questions at five six. And look, I think Casey Houle has he's the real deal now. He's had that extra year that that Coach Goffey wanted him to get. He looks good. Uh, yeah, he drops a six three seven six match. You don't want to lose, but I'm not concerned about him. I am still concerned about the six spot for them. Uh, that that's going to be a I, I think a troubling position uh, that that has been. But if everybody else performs, you can do it. They just ha- this is the day they just happen to drop all four of those matches. That's not going to happen that often. So I'm not concerned long term. I do think though it is it will pose problems when they start playing top eight type teams. Yeah, very, very well said. And I think this is a blip. I don't think this is indicative of a bigger trend. I have faith in, like, Lambling Bride was just good tennis. Trent served yeah, really well. Yeah, they're, the they're fine. They're, yeah. they're, they're one through one through five is good. Yeah, uh, well, so. but here's the thing. It was a tough day at the office for Beasley. I also think, like, Story had a million chances. And I actually feel way better about that loss for him at four than I did during any of his losses last season. Like, you can just tell Story's playing better. They're playing really good doubles. They like their teams. Here's the thing. Coach Goffey said it in the cracked interviews I did with him prior to the tournament. Like, their starting lineup is what it is. They're not a team that's going to play around and mix and match and try to do matchup things to just be funky. Coach Goffey says, nope, here's my six. We're going to beat you as is. Right now, this is his six, and they didn't beat Georgia as is. I agree with you, though. I think the take, if you're the South Carolina team, it's a 4-3 match. Somehow none of the breaks, you know, second set on five, second set of four, none of them go your way on this day. I agree. Glass half full. All this tells me is South Carolina is closer to tier, you know, firmly ensconced in tier two than they would be in tier one. And for this Georgia team again, oh my God, did they need this victory so freaking badly. With that said, any more thoughts on the 9 a.m. hour? Are you ready to move on? Let's move on. All right, let's do it. Let's stick with this all-SEC theme here, Chris. Kentucky versus Florida. Kentucky actually takes the doubles in this match. They play around with their doubles team. They run back that duo from last year, Mercer Lapidot, who ultimately get the clinch with the 6-4 set at 2. They go Draxel Weeks at 3, who take a 6-3 decision. It was Axel and Will Grant with the 6-4 win at number 1. Here's my take. Kentucky wins the match. I actually come out of this match feeling so much better about Florida than I do Kentucky. Because when I look at this Florida team, they played tough everywhere but one. Like, with all due, it just wasn't Axel's day at the number one spot. Draxel gets him 0-0. That's probably the only 0-0 we'll see at the number one singles spot at a high-level match throughout the course of this season. But, like... Alafi and Will Grant. That's the best I've ever seen Will Grant play. They're about to start a third before the match ends. Nate Bonetto takes a tough first set against Taha Badi and was playing him evenly throughout the course of that match at four. Togon Tokats overcomes the deficit against Jaden Weeks at five. And then if they play Kosne versus Greif outdoors, I might lean Greif. Like, I don't think Lucas played a bad first set. I think it was just a little bit easier for Charlet to uh, attack in a way that I don't know he'll be able to outdoors. Like, I guess that's my hot take, is Kentucky wins the match. I already knew they were going to be good, though. My take coming out of this is I thought Florida was going to be firmly ensconced in Tier 3. I 
after watching Georgia, after watching South Carolina, there's no reason this Florida team can't compete and beat those two squads. That's my take. Yeah, it's a tough take. I mean, they, <laughs> look, it's the same guys. They've jumbled the lineup. Sure. The problem is it's the positions that I called out that they needed to win before. They needed to win doubles, and it used to be like uh, three, four, six. But it's the same recipe. They need to win doubles. They need to win Benetto. They need to win Braswell. They need to they need to win Tokach. Whatever position those guys are playing, and it just so happens that now they're three, four, five. But that's it. I I can only surmise. Look, Co- Brian Shelton is a great judge of who's in the better form and who's ready and who should be playing. In no way, shape, or form. Do I think in my own head, I would want to be playing Lucas Greif indoors? That just tells me Orlikowski is not ready. They gave him one shot before indoors. He's back to, he's not in the lineup. It must mean he's not ready. They need to get him in the lineup or they need to get Greif outdoors. But that's not, that's just not the match they were looking for. But I mean, and to your point, if Greif, if let's say Orlikowski was ready, he was playing indoors and somehow he managed to beat manages to beat or at least go three with Charlay. Now we got Benetto one all in third. We got a third set starting between Grant and I and Ianni. It could have been a match, but you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda's the better teams always just seem to find a way. I'm convinced Kentucky still would have found a way. But to your point, yeah, there are bright spots for Florida. But the spots that haven't been bright have been so dull that I don't know how much I can get up for it. Well, they just can't find a three right now. And Jonah Braswell, who's like the 13th freshman in program history to earn 20 wins as a freshman. I mean, Lapidot took it to him today. And I think that's the takeaway if you're this Kentucky team is your big guns did their job. Like Lapidot, 4-1, and one, Draxel, 0-0. They get the doubles point unexpectedly. And it's Lapidot and Mercer who pull through at that number two spot as well. You know, Lafia battling, uh, not losing that match to Will Grant. So there wouldn't be additional pressure on a guy like the freshman Charlotte Cosne uh, at that number six spot. Yeah, I just, I disagree with you. I, I just think like, again, maybe even similar to, to this Baylor team we discussed earlier. I don't know who Florida's number one is. I mean, it's Axel, obviously, given the level he's played in the past. But, like, I feel really good about guys two through six uh, against 95% of the opponents if I'm Florida here this season. I just, like, I think Bonetto's rounding into form. I think we Braswell's earned the benefit of the doubt coming out of today. I think they, I think they struck iron with the freshman class. I guess that would be my final thoughts on this Florida group. Yeah, I would definitely, the freshman class is good. I would make the argument, you could take one through five, throw, roll the dice. I don't care what order you play them in. They're all, they're all, they're all equal. I mean, it's not, it's not a big difference. And so they're going much like the discussion we had earlier with Baylor. They're going to be hurting at one and two when they play good teams, no matter what. Uh, And, and yeah, Braswell's going to, if he's got, if he's up to three now, that's a little, you know, it's a little tough for him, but I, he's not going to have any problem growing into that. I think that's a good spot for him. Yeah. Well said. And, you know, again, on the flip side, we'll do the Kentucky take quickly. Cause I'm sure we'll talk about them more tomorrow after their quarterfinal battle against USC, but like, okay, you know what? I wasn't sure they were going to be a tier one team. I didn't believe in the freshmen because I hadn't seen them in person. I am not the biggest Taha bodies, a lock at four sort of guy. Like Taha's good. 
He was never that good, like lock of locks for Wake Forest. And by the way, this is not talking about Taha the person. This is talking about Taha the tennis player as a mythical lock at the number four singles position. I never saw that for him. That said, like, I like to... Th- I mean, go back to the show. Knoxville Showdown, 2021. What did I say when I came on the show? I go, hey, two people, Shinsuke Mitsui and Joshua Lapinat. Those are the two that stood out to me the most. Lapinat's the real deal at the number three spot. And again, just consolidates basically everything he began to build throughout the course of last season. If you're Kentucky, here's the story. You won doubles. You won three matches in straight sets. You did your job as the number two seed. And it's like, this is not a position Cedric and the Wildcats have been in very frequently. I guess that's my take. It's like credit to Kentucky. They looked like top seeds today. Yeah, they did. And they, I mean, look, it's just a team that... It's when you're looking at the sort of eye test metric, that's where you kind of want to ding them because they come into indoors having played a 4-3 match against Louisville, a 4-3 match against Duke. They play a couple matches here, you know, weeks drops, drops one. They're going through, they're in the third and two other matches. They're not blowing anybody out, right? They, they're not doing what TCU did to Baylor. Uh, they're, you know, so you look at the difference between, oh, but TCU's number three, Kentucky's number two. Why aren't they doing this to teams that like, like they are? And that's sort of the eye test thing, mm-hmm. but I'll still, you know, until it actually does cost them, all you can do is win. I mean, yeah. the, I don't care whether you win four, three, whether you win four. Oh yeah. If you're beating everybody four, oh, like Ohio state is, you feel really good. But I mean, you're that doesn't stop you from losing a match when you get a tough one. So they did the job, like you said. And my my takeaway after watching a bunch of this is, man, I love watching Cosme at six. I, the, just the that backhand, I could watch him. Like you see freshmen coming in with that backhand, and most of them get they get tough spots. They get tight. They start slicing. They don't want to hit it. This kid just hits the ball. I mean, he's he's not afraid to hit the ball. It's he's fun to watch. Yeah, very well said. Well, again, ultimately Kentucky takes the doubles points. They get win at one three, and then it is the the freshman. I think it's Cosne, by the way, at that number six spot who earns the clinch four one win. As again, the Gators do get a three set win from freshman Token Tokats at that number five single spot. With that said, let's reach the halfway point as the team Kentucky is going to face in tomorrow's quarterfinal is seventh seeded USC with all due respect, I actually think this is the one we can go through quickest. The The take for USC is all the depth we projected, it's real. Like, again, they lose doubles. But Dostanich, very quick 6-1 first set over Brian Cernak. He's off the court in straight sets. Uh, Vojtek Marek, 6-1-6-4 over Will Jansen. Again, we see his continued development. Uh, he was pretty solid, won about 70% of his matches last season. He has taken a leap forward here to start this year. It was Ryan Colby continuing his win- ways at the bottom of the lineup. 2-4 and four win at number five. And then maybe the biggest riser in this lineup, the guy who has given them a second top of the lineup option. It's sophomore Peter Mock, who gets that three set clinching win over Ryan Segerman in the end. That's my USC take. The depth that we thought they had, Chris, it's real. And if Lerner Tien becomes eligible this season, this team is firmly ensconced in tier one. Yeah, no doubt. I, I yeah. mean, I think, and we saw this coming. The, the biggest concern there, right, is A, Tien not playing and sure. B, 
they need to find something in doubles. I mean, we and and we called it. Look, we expected North Carolina to win this doubles point. At the same time, I still expected USC to come back and get four singles. Much like we did, though, this is, says 4-1 on the scoreboard, much like you've talked about some of these other matches, Peter Mock comes from down 40-15 in that final game. If Sagerman gets one of those three points mm-hmm. to level that set at five all in the third, or at, excuse me, at, at yeah, at five all, Mock was, it was, he was serving four or five. If he gets one of those three points, they're even, we're going to a third on four, and Watani's up 4-1 in the second, in all likelihood going three on six. We're sitting here talking about who knows what happens. But again, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Mott gets three points in a row, breaks Segerman, match over. Yes, the USC depth is real. Throw Tien in there, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, I, well said. And again, I do think there needs to be some delineation, right? Colby versus Westrade versus Fry, who's not playing his best right now. But, you know, again, all these different guys, they're all pretty good. No one has, to that point, stood out and grabbed hold of that number six spot. Here's the thing, though. Like, again, when you add Lerner Tien into this lineup, because I think there are four locks. I think Dostanich, Tien, Mock, Merrick. Those four are playing for sure. I even think Colby's a lock as well. If not playing at the number five spot outright, throw him at six. You feel really good about that. Who's the fifth guy in singles? That's the question. I think they have right now. Also, again, finding those correct doubles teams. Now, on the flip side, UNC is the definition of, like, tier three good. Where, like, they're going to beat everyone who's worse than them. I don't know how many times they're going to get those Tier 2 or Tier 1 victories, but they're going to play everybody close because they play such a competitive doubles point. They do have pieces throughout the lineup. I don't know. Like Again, I, I didn't know what to think of this UNC team entering the year. I think they're going to be tips, top 16 for sure now all the year long. And again, I, I given I didn't know that six weeks ago, I think that's that's a pretty comfortable take coming out of this first day. Yeah, you don't. I don't feel bad about North Carolina. I think the last two weeks really has made I feel even better about them. And they got really close to making this a super tight match today, right? I mean, we're we're a, a game from you know from Sagerman evening that up, and and who knows what happens. But yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be a little struggle for them, maybe just down deep they don't quite maybe have that depth but i don't know they might we might i might be wrong about that until i just see more of it uh i mean look colby's really good at five and if you push him down to six with tn even better but but yeah that was a that's a tough matchup let's see a couple more matches this weekend for him but it's a good team i totally agree with your point they're so good that they're probably they're going to beat all these teams that they're just better than yeah and they're probably going to struggle to find a way against the really top teams. Well, let me ask you this. What's their record against Wake Forest, NC State, Duke, and and Virginia this year? Those four matches, what do they go? Three and one. Yeah, and that right there, by the way, is a testament to them being good. Right. Yeah, perfectly said. And so, yeah, again, I, I actually think it's glass half full for this UNC team as well coming out of this loss. Cernok did not play well. 
at the number one spot. I just think Dostanich is a tough matchup for him. That said, again, they're going to get... The funniest thing is UNC Florida was a quarterfinal matchup in 2020 when we called the National Indoors. Now it's a consolation first-round match. That just shows you how quickly things can change here in the college tennis world. With all of that in mind, all right, let's move on to the afternoon session. <sighs> let's address the big one. Michigan, 4-2 over Stanford. Stanford takes the doubles point. They were better than Michigan for the first hour and a half of this match, and yet slowly but surely... All right, I'll say it. It's the first time I've ever seen Michigan flex their muscles and say, oh, you're a really good team. That's really cute. You guys are playing great, but do you want to know what greatness looks like? It's the effort you're about to see over this next hour, and when I say Patrick Maloney was not going to lose the match. The moment he walked on court, with all due respect to Max Basing, it was like, F*** you, Max. This match is over. Like, you're wasting my time with every minute you think you will belong on this court with me moving forward. So credit to Maloney. He played like the senior leader he is. Outstanding match from, obviously, a dear friend uh, of the show. Styler at three was the joke that we anticipated he would be. And after being down a break for the majority of the first set, he's trailing 5-4 in the first. He goes from there to win what? Three, nine of the next 12 games, 7-5-6-3 victory for Styler at that number three spot. To quote my little brother, Gavin Young really is Himmy Turner, which is an express. Do you want me to explain that to you, Chris, or can I just move on? You can move on. Okay, perfect. He is Hemi Turner. He, you know, one wrist Bosveretti. He kept hitting big serves to that backhand. Every time Bosveretti went slice, Gavin pushed forward to the net. That's your core right there. Maloney, Styler, Young, they did what they have continued to do all season long, each of them earning victories at that two through three spot. Arthur Ferry was the best player in the building today. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, Fenty didn't play poorly, and Ferry just beat him. Like, there was just, Fenty served for the second setup, 5-3. It was cute, but, like, oh, my God. Arthur Ferry was so freaking good today. And then again, Banerjee was up a break, 5-4. Served for the first set at 3. You know, Basava Reddy, up 6-5. You know, on serve, first set against Gavin Young, up 4-1 in the breaker before Gavin rips off six straight games. Bickersteth, Chaudhry, just going back and forth at that number five spot. And then Kolashinsky wins the first set at the number six spot. He forces Cooksey to a breaker in set number two. He was four points away, Chris, from the victory. It's twofold. Here's a, a twofold take, and then I'm shutting up, and then the floor is yours. That is the first time I've ever seen Michigan dig itself in that sort of hole and be like, no, 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 we're going to do what the great teams do, which we're going to come back and we're going to beat you anyways. Like, I have never been more impressed by an in-person Michigan victory. On the flip side, any doubt I used to have about Stanford, I mean, that, this is legitimately the first time since it was Fawcett at one, Geller at two, Kumar at three, where I look at a Stanford team and I go, you know what? You guys are f***ing good. Like, that is a good Stanford team. They played about as well as they could have played today. There was no take there, by the way. The floor is just yours. Yeah, I mean, yes, but I still have concern. I mean, there's no, I, I have no doubts, especially when we get Basava ready healthy for Stanford. But like so many teams, we can say the same thing about four deep. I'm super happy. I just don't know after that. I mean, it's 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 going to be here. Here's the thing, though. Chaudhry played really well today. Singles and doubles. I mean, look, Chaudhry, they, Stanford beat Michigan in doubles. Like, 
Are yeah. you kidding me? Come on now. You know, Bosforetti doesn't have two wrists, and yet him and Ferry 6-4 over a Young and Fenty team that had lost like twice together. <laughs> like, then, again, this is the first time I've ever come off of a Stanford match being like, oh my God. And since like 2018 or 19 where I'm like, oh my God, Stanford's good. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what to make of that. I, that's more embarrassing for your Wolverine than anything else. <laughs> Indoors too. Yeah, I mean, come on, yes. how do you lose doubles to a Stanford team that couldn't beat Florida right, or Georgia can I say in it? doubles? Because Michigan was tighter than a drum. Like yeah. you could tell they wanted to win this match so f-ing badly because they just want the shot at the big dogs. They want to play the Virginias. They want to play Ohio. They want to do all those things. Like. I mean, again, I said I'd shut up, and I've interrupted you six different times since then. But, yeah. like, to answer your question since I was here, they were tight as a drum. And, like, yeah. it's a credit to them that they responded in the way that they did. Right. Yeah, I mean, and that that was my take is, hey, I, I think that there's actually good things for both of these teams to look yes. at, which you really need on day one of the indoors especially for the especially for the team that loses because you can't get down having two more good matches in front of you. But for Michigan, yeah that doubles point is a blip for them. That's not, you know, there's no long-term concern there. They're good at doubles. They're good indoors. They just the bed today and they drop the doubles point, but they still, they come back and they do what they need to do. They take four singles matches and they were about to take, they would have taken the fifth one, you know, Bickerstaff up five, two in the third uh, when, when the match ends. So, so they got, they got the job done. And for Stanford, I say, look on their side, you go, Hey, we actually got a doubles point. We played well. Ferry, you know, in their eyes is, you know, you said it. He was the best player there today. He's a lock right now at one. And, you know, if you're going to get doubles and and Ferry, you already know basing's probably 80% of the yeah, time. It's literally he played Maloney indoors after Michigan dropped the doubles. Maybe the word, like, you know what? I'd never want to play Patrick Maloney indoors on these lightning quick XS courts while he's pissed off like that was just a that's a schedule loss dare I say yeah yeah so that I mean that's not a match you're gonna lose very often if you're Stanford and then like you said you got you, you know you got Banerjee and Basavaretti there you you know you're just looking to split five six if you're Stanford most of the time uh, if you can get doubles so I mean there are things to look on the upside not concerned about uh, you know, Michigan at all. Again, I still think, yeah, great for Cooksey to come back from dropping the first set and and win the match. I think that that's a spot that's just destined to be somebody else when Aaron Schneider's ready to go. That we're, He's just you not mean there yet. It's destined to be someone else. You mean it's destined to be Aaron Schneider when yeah. Aaron Schneider's ready to yeah. go? You could have just yeah. said it's that. It's destined to be Aaron Schneider unless unless Coach Steinberg well, decides to play Bickerstaff at six and Aaron Schneider at five. <laughs> but, you know. Well, two things on that note. Nino active in practice every day. So we have seen him hitting. He's here. He's dressed for what it's worth out there. People who are floating, he's going to redshirt this season. You're dead wrong. Um, part B uh, to that point, shout out to Will Cooksey. Up 5-2. Double faults on the deuce point, match point, 5-3. Kulishinski holds at love for 5-4. And by the way, this was after Cooksey had a 4-1 lead where he got broken. That 5-2 lead, he gets broken. 5-4, he's down love 40. He grinds his way out to hold that game for 6-4. Now, you're right. Bickersteth probably gets over the finish line in the end, but 
for both of them to be out there, to stay alive for one another. Even Fenty for taking the 5-3 lead in the second set at one. Michigan try, you know, Michigan's loud about their togetherness, about their fight. But sometimes actions speak louder than words. And that was one of those moments where like, okay, you know what? Maybe all that talking they do, it's not bull****. Like, maybe that stuff actually does help because here they are with the energy. They're alive everywhere. They overcome a really good Stanford's team after dropping the doubles point, and they are ready to rock and roll. You know, the one the one thing I like about this that's, you know, very uh, low-key, you don't, re- you know, most people won't be thinking about is almost all year, you're going to play one three five two four six. You're set up there is one through six, so they get to play next to each other. Yeah, Almost never. The best. And they get to pick each other up. So that's, you know, I think that's that's kind of that's kind of a good deal for them. Yeah, very well said. And again, Stanford, Bosferdi's not even healthy, and you're right there indoors against a team that was one of Chris's contenders to capture the title. So that was a crazy match. 4-2 ultimately goes to Michigan. Of course, the 3.30 hour was just the best wave of matches we had throughout the course of the day is this Tennessee team, they woke up. Like, this is the Tennessee fight. This is the Tennessee tenacity. This is the Tennessee skill set we expected to see to start this 2023 season. And what did Tennessee do to make such loud noise today? Well, they came out and, dare I say, you know, again, played a confident, decisive, doubles point against a Virginia team that, let's be clear, was lacking Barbotzer today. He was not in action in singles nor doubles. I didn't see him in the building. That doesn't mean he wasn't here. We were a little bit occupied with our broadcast today. But, you know, again, shout out to Tennessee. They put Hud and Mitsui back together. They were a top 10 duo last year, 6-3 over Dahlberg and Montez today. Then it was Bicknell and Diaz. That was the magic combination. Not Rodriguez, Bicknell and Diaz, 6-4, at that number three spot, they take the doubles point. But then, again, Virginia does what defending national championship teams are prone to do. Virginia takes five first sets in singles. They get three points off the board in straight sets. And it's the superstar sophomores, Rodesh, Von der Schulenberg, who continue to do their job at the two and three spots. You have Mons Dahlberg, the freshman who... That boy can move. That boy can grind. You throw him outdoors at that number six spot to end the season, even at that number five spot, now you're talking about a legitimate six singles option for this Virginia team. Although I got to be honest, I kind of liked what I saw from Dag Yaffa in that first set at the number six singles spot today. And people out there know I will never abandon a fellow Alexander. I still have some Alex Kiefer stock, even if I know you're not the biggest fan of the rising, uh, the now juniors game. I mean, look, credit. To, we'll get to the Tennessee side of things in a moment, but five first sets from Virginia, three straight set victories, two, three, and five. Ultimately, then it's Ryan Getz, the fifth year, who clinches 6-3 in the third. This is the first time Virginia's done what a tier one team does, which is to say, again, oh, that's cute. You won the doubles point. You think like you've got us in a deficit. No, 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 no. We're here to smack you after you do that to us. It was USC-esque. It's just like, okay, that, you know, again, it's it's men versus teenagers. It's like, that's cute. Your teenagers are having a moment, but it's time for the men to step in. And that's what, you know, again, the doc gets Rodesh and Dahlberg. The men stepped in today. Yeah, again, that this is this is back to the good teams find a way, right? Yeah, I sure. mean, I I would not have is that necessarily the take? the take is Virginia found a way today. Yeah, I, I would not have said, 
oh, we're going to need Dahlberg to win. That's, you know, if if you told me I had to think that coming in, I'd say, holy cow, we might be in trouble. But, yeah, sure. um, you know, it was it was always a possibility of dropping doubles. Tennessee's always got a good doubles team. Uh, and and you just you just had to find a way to get four singles matches. And and you knew that match at one was going to be tough. And yeah, and they go three sets. But but yeah, Ro- Rodesh, Von der Schulenberg, I think that was key. Von der Schulenberg, three and three quick uh, over Mitsui. That was that was big for them. Uh, and then, yeah, Dahlberg. Uh, I, yeah, I, they're just they're good. I mean, they're much like the USC thing. They can afford to drop doubles if they're going to get this out of a guy like Dahlberg. I still would love to see, uh, you know, an in shape. I don't even know why Barr is not playing right. Uh, you know, I'm only, I know nothing people, so don't get mad at me. I'm only speculating that it would be like last year where, you know, we lost the bar 20 going into NCAAs and maybe that's what's happening again. I have no idea, but I, I'm hoping that by the time it gets real for them and we start getting to NCAAs that we do see bots or because they need him to be the best version of their team. But yeah, they just there's so much talent on that on that singles lineup that uh, they just you know they found a way. Gotta be extraordinarily impressed again with the fight of Dahlberg one and three over Boris Kozlov. I don't I know we're indoors still. That's a really good win uh, for the freshman. On the flip side, I like Tennessee's new lineup. Like Shinsuke Mitsui's just not playing well to start this season. And that's a conversation we should have at a different time because I said we were gonna do one take each. Boy, did we abandon that format real quick, Chris. Um, Just for the record, shout out to the late night pod. But, like, I would have never expected Mitsui to lose that match 3-3 and to Vonder Schulenberg. I would have never expected the 1-3 and from Dahlberg. Everything else felt pretty much on rhythm. Monday, Montez, three sets, as good as advertised. Yes, Rodesh beats McNell 4-4. and That was a pretty competitive 4-4 and match. And I'd like to see it outdoors where Blaze just has a little bit more time to get into that forehand, camp a little bit further behind the net. But, like, gets HUD, 50-50 tennis. And then an undermanned Virginia squad, Angel Diaz needs to win that match at 6 every time he absolutely did. I don't think this was a bad loss for Tennessee. And I know it was a 4-3 loss overall, so how could it be? But, like, again, I come out of this thinking, all right, that's much more like the Tennessee I expected to see. If the simple issue right now is Mitsui's not playing well, like that is a solvable problem compared to those first few weeks when you're like, man, I don't know if this team has five guys on it. I, I, then, by the way, that's how you know I'm late because it is, I am swearing it up, my friend. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going my here my one take. You wanted one take. Here's my one take for Tennessee. God, I wish we had Kent Hunter. (laughs) Yeah, that's it, right? Like, are they a guy away now? Yeah, I mean, they're a guy short. Yeah, sure. That's a really good take, Chris. I mean, okay, so let me ask you right now. I'm going to ask you this every day. Um, SEC teams, we've got Kentucky, we've got Florida, we've got Georgia, we've got South Carolina, we've got Tennessee, five of them at this event. Coming out of day number, you're the SEC guy. You're welcome, SEC, for this love. Um, coming out of day number one, power rank those five. Kentucky, South Carolina. I'm still putting South Carolina in front of Georgia, even after the loss. <laughs> Kentucky, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida. Switch Tennessee and Georgia. 
I just can't go there. Tennessee hasn't done it. They, they're not beating anybody. Yeah, they they're beat really, Oklahoma. You're right. You're right. You're right. They're really close. And that Oklahoma loss got a lot worse after Memphis beat Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fine. I'm just saying I believe in this. Like, for the first time all season, Tennessee got up. For but a look, I'm match. not saying I don't. I, I'm not saying I don't believe this is the one upset I picked, right? So you know, I was sitting there going, "Come on, guys, <laughs> do it. Figure, find a way." And the wrong team found a way. But, but no, yeah, I mean they've got the. T- there's, there's no question about the talent on the team. But I mean, this matchup was just. It wasn't great in the fact that indoors. Rodesh is going to beat Bicknell eight out of 10 times. Sure. I mean, that's just not a good matchup for him. Uh, you know, yes, Mitsui not playing great. HUD, uh, I don't know. That's a match. You said you call it 50 50. That's a match. Honestly, I mean, HUD needs to win indoors. Uh, yeah. yeah, indoors, but- you're right. Indoors, that's just one where if they're going to beat a great team, it's going to come down to HUD. And let the record show. He played a bunch of deuce points in that third set. He went all out on the, on the, penultimate service game for Getz, had a couple breakpoint chances, just Getz worked him with a couple of really good forehands. It was What I'm saying is Hud didn't play poorly to lose that match. I thought Getz right. played well to win it. But you're right. To your broader point, you're absolutely right. Yep. That's it. I'm I'm done. Yeah, he's tapping out. That's how you do There it is. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, again, you look for this UVA team, they're really freaking good. And so it's not a bad loss for Tennessee, but just – it was a noise level. It was an excitement. Mackay was fist bumping. Woodruff was pacing. Billy Van Cott was billing it up. Like it was just everything you wanted, right? It was. It was. Um. It it was a good match. I mean, again, it was a great three thirty hour. I like afterwards. I look at Cation. I'm like, Westoff cracked this out. I was like, I need. I was like, this is just ridiculous. I was like, come on now, what are we doing here? Um. And so yeah. Um. It was just, it was, uh, it was a, it was a really fun leave, stretch. There. West off, leave the whole Colin Ian Billy thing in though. Oh, oh that's I, good. is that not a thing? <laughs> I thought that was a thing. <laughs> shut up, just... Chris. No, leave it in, but shut up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Anyways, all that said, I'm going to ask you for semifinal picks at the very end. So we'll get back to all of those. I promise. Um, all right, let's go through these. 6.30 matches relatively quickly because they were both 4-0 decisions. Um, let's start with Texas Wake Forest. I know we've typically started with the higher seed, but like Texas, Texas. This is the first time I come out of this because you know my th- – I've been saying they're a year away. They're a year away. They're a year away. And that's whenever anyone asks me about Texas, I always say, well, you know, we've been saying on the show that they're a year away forever now, so doesn't this have to be the year? Well, for the first time in a long time, it, Texas looked like Texas again, capital T, Texas. The team we saw reach the semifinals in 2021. The team we saw beat Florida first round of the national indoors last year. And it's just like 6 4 5 2 Spaziri, 6 4 5 3 Bailey, 6 4 6 3, uh, you know, 6 4 6 3 Braswell actually wins, 4 and 2 for Harper at 5, 3 and 2 for R. Millie. Like, is Nevin as good as Bruce Burke promised he's been for the past seven years? Like, is this finally the year the Nevin promise delivers? <laughs> Texas takes doubles as well. That was a smackdown. They said, Wake Forest, we see your pieces. Fuck your pieces. We're here to crush you. And that's what they did. I was so impressed, Chris. That's my take. What say you? Yeah. I, look, they were, they were going to win that match 
6-1 or 7-0, right? I mean, the only match in question was the match at four in a third set. Everything else was straight sets Texas. And yeah. And not particularly ahead. close. Like, okay, Spaziri was down a break early at the number one spot to Melios because that's what Melios does. But like no one else really kept it that close. Even PY looked healthy, fit. He gave Maroney the business. Yeah, we talked about Wake's strength, right? Being two, three, four, really, and and questions about five. So I'll stick to my Texas take first before we get to the Wake. The Texas take is, yeah, everybody, at least today, everybody looked great. Now it's a rude awakening to a rematch with Ohio State, right? So we'll, you know, we can reserve judgment on that take. But for for the day, yeah, they that you that was a complete smackdown uh today and not one that i mean not one i saw coming honestly i thought that would be closer especially in the middle of lineup texas just outperformed any expectations i had they look great yeah no you're absolutely right chris and um you know again more broadly looking at this team how healthy will they stay for the remainder of this, you know, national indoor. And even talking to Cleve Harper after the match, he said, look, we're banged up. And we didn't see Chi Chi Huang in action today, although for what it's worth, he's been uh, obviously practicing uh, for the team this week. But look, that's a really good win. You're absolutely right for this Texas team. We'll see them tested again tomorrow as they're going to take on an Ohio State team that gave them in the business in Columbus uh, a couple of weeks ago. That said, flip side, Wake Forest is the only team I come out of day one thinking, well, that was a disaster. Like, after all the things they did at home in Winston-Salem, et cetera, they just weren't competitive tonight. And again, I don't know if that says more about Texas or Wake. I will say my take is Tachi is real. I saw him. I saw him talking to humans. I was like, you're real. I was like, Tachi, real. Um, I mean, that's the only positive take I have. They got smoked tonight. It was tough. Yeah, my, my my take here is all the questions that I was having to re-question about five and six. <laughs> uh, I'm back to saying, yeah, they're just flat questionable again. I mean, yeah. five and six were bad, bad spots for them uh, and, and didn't look particularly good really anyway, you know, other than I expect them to be good at two, three, four, and they only made one of them competitive. So I don't feel, yeah, to your point. That's the team I walk out of here going, man, that was just a bad day. You, they did not look good at all. Uh, and uh, whew, yeah, we'll see what happens in the we'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow for them. I very much agree with you. Well, with that said, let's move on to a team, uh, to a battle between the top seed, the 16th seed, two teams that made it feel like a home match here at night. Of course, I'm talking Ohio State versus Illinois. Now, for an hour, 20 minutes, it looked like the Buckeyes were going to do what the Buckeyes have done all year long. It looks like you could pack the bags, start the plane. It felt like that match was over. They take doubles. They go out there. They smoke Illinois. I believe they end up taking six first sets as well. Now, ultimately for Ohio State, Tracy, 3-1. and one. Trotter, 2-6. and six. He moves to 12-0. and oh. He's won 12 uh, matches in 12 of their 13 dual match wins. Cash has won matches in singles in 11 of their 13 dual match wins. Tracy's freaking trade. It's just like, okay, let's do the glass half full take first. Because it's let's just stay glass half full for this, and we'll do it very quickly. Doubles, 3-5-6. Ohio State can win a national indoors on that recipe. That's what I learned today, Chris. Yeah, I, and they, it's, they not, could. it's not that I learned it. It's that it's like, no, 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 no. 
That is the most lethal combination in all of men's college tennis right now. Doubles, three, five, six for the Buckeyes. If you're asked to bet your life on one thing, that's what I'm picking. Yeah, I mean, we have to wait to see if it actually happens on Monday, but I'd love to see those matchups in a, you know, whatever if the top two seeds make it well i won't say top two what the because that's kentucky but in yeah. in tcu who we i kind of thought if would be our there. top two seeds yeah you our, could say it. yeah yeah our top twos uh with a tcu and you're putting jpj at three and then you've got the you know ridiculous combination for tcu at five six of gorsney and whoever they throw in there yeah i i want to see it I'm not saying Ohio State can't do it, but I want to see. That's the match I want to see. Mm-hmm. And it was good to see Kingsley healthy. You know, again, he's up. Uh, he takes a 6 4 first set on Hunter Heck. He was down 4 0 before actually making that second set a set. He drops it 7 5. But again, first match back for Kingsley, uh, certainly. By the way, there was a moment, and I, as the very kind man who made the joke to me, I, I'm, I'm not going to impugn his uh, his identity, but one of the funniest moments that happened on the broadcast today, we were debating, do we stay at Ohio State, Illinois, or do we go over to Wake Forest, Texas, and someone sitting next to me when I was like, well, I think, you know, maybe we should stay at Ohio State, Illinois. You just hear a loud, why? And I was like, that's just good. I was like, that's a great joke. I was like, I got to say that on the broadcast, please, if you don't mind. And so just absolutely delightful. Uh, and um, again, all of that is to say, the reason I saw why, as we look at the flip side here, is, oh, my God. Like, after the worst 75-minute start for the Illini, they woke up. And, like, Carlos Ozelins, he's the—by the way, that's how you say it, Chris. Not that you're ever going to say it right. Um, he's the real deal. Like, the weapons, he's 15 pounds thinner than he was at the Champagne Challenger. And just, like, I'll take him at one. I feel fine. The energy, the intensity, the experience of Hunter Heck, who's a big match player, I'll take him at two. I feel fine. Now, I have no idea what the rest of this Illini lineup should look like, but Gazowskis, Morose, Okonkwu, even Meister with his fight at six. Now, obviously, against the best of the best, maybe you don't trust that depth as much, but like... I didn't know if Illinois was a top 25 team before the week. After watching them beat Georgia, after seeing the success they have had across the board, they're in that tier three conversation now. Yeah, this was, I mean, like you said, it's 4-0, but two of these matches were uh, were just starting a third. They're already up a break in the third and the other. This could have very easily been 4-3. And then to your point on the depth, I mean, you're bringing up the depth, but at the same time, no Alex Petrov. So, uh, you know, who's going to be in the top of that lineup, giving everybody else relief uh, down, you know, somewhere in the in the top half of the lineup. So, so yeah, it's, you have to feel good coming out of here if you're Illinois. And honestly, now, after the beat down that Wake Forest took today, after the win over Georgia and a competitive, you know, unfinished set of matches in the in the final three against Ohio State. I think Illinois actually has to be feeling pretty good. Wake's got to be feeling pretty say bad. It, say it. Who's that's your 0-3 good, favorite That's going to be a good match tomorrow. Say it. Who's I don't know 0-3? who the 0-3 Come team on. is here. This is the spiciest take. It took you 66 minutes to get this spicy, Chris. That's <laughs> what I was asking for. So let me ask you then, as we get into prediction mode, who's your 0-3 teams coming out of day number one? 
I'm in this top Make half. People I, I, gotta, I don't even have, You're I don't not have here, the, so you can be mean. I don't have the draw pictured in front of me. Left so side we, is on the in the back half of the left side. It's Wake Forest now taking on Illinois. You have Stanford taking on Tennessee. Um, so let's start with those. Four. Yeah, it's the loser of it's the loser of Wake and Illinois. Uh, so yeah, that's war now tomorrow. That's like assemble the troops if you're Brad Dancer. We need a bigger crowd because that yeah. match now becomes the most important of our weekend. Yeah, de- definitely because that. Yeah, and I and whoever loses that is the odds-on favorite to be the zero and three team. Okay, on the other side of the draw, you have South Carolina is going to play. Uh, Baylor. South Baylor, and then you have whomever TCU beat is going to play whomever uh, Georgia. Uh, no, no, South Carolina is going to play Baylor, and then on the bottom half, Florida is going to play UNC. Yeah, it's not. It's obviously not South Carolina. It's not UNC. Uh, so, uh, so that means Florida. I mean, that's going to be Baylor, Florida for the O and three. Such a good match, Baylor. That's the Florida. that's the O and three final, probably right there. Baylor, Florida is it, that would be my my pick anyway. Um, wow, that'd be such a good match. I can't believe one of those teams is going O and three. Like, this is a year where there's no clear cut candidate, and. That's shocking. It really is. Like, it, it, and again, it speaks to this Illinois team and how well I suppose they, that they played on day number uh, one of this event. All right. With all of that said, that's your look at day number one of these 2023 Division One Men's ITA National Indoor Championships. Now, thank you as always to you, Chris Hallioris, who I need to say there are plenty of parents, plenty of people here who said, where's Chris? I want to say hello. Or I have a beef, a bone to pick with him. And then, of course, I have to diffuse it and be like, yeah, but you guys have to understand Chris only takes the heat so that I can look as sexy as I do. I was like, come on. like In that damn LS hoodie that I don't have either. <laughs> literally sexy as I do. Um, All right. With all that said, the other burden I place upon you is to ask you to make predictions. We're on the broadcast here. Myself, Mike Cation. It starts at 9 a.m. Central time here on Saturday. But again, as we're on the broadcast, I don't want to create the appearance of bias. And thus, I ask you to make the picks. So we'll go chronologically. If you want to give a 30-second spiel as well, I'm going to cut you off after that. But yeah, you know what? Pick match calculus. Let's do it. We'll start with again chronologically number one TCU taking on Georgia. Pick where do they win? Uh, I mean, I I've got to take TCU. They're just they're way too deep. Um, they should take I mean, doubles. I don't know. Georgia just won three through six, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. They they should take doubles in the five six are just a little different story in that TCU lineup. Uh, and then I say. Um, TCU's pri- TCU's going to get if uh, they'll get the quicker they'll get wins at five and six off the court and Georgia may be able to throw a, a point or two in there but I'm going to say uh, you know probably a four one ish type match and it's going to be dubs five six and I'll say I'll say four for Sandra Jong four five six for TCU I'm saying dubs four, six, and two if I'm TCU. If I'm Georgia, we need Ethan Quinn to get rolling. Um, And I I just think if they're going to win tomorrow, it means Ethan Quinn's the Ethan Quinn we saw in the fall. All right, match number two. Again, another fun one. Kentucky taking on USC. Chris, you going to pick an upset here? Which which way are you leaning? Your home state or your guy, Brett Macy? 
Man, this is a really tough call because because yeah, let me tell you this: you're gonna see Cedric more, but you're gonna hear from Macy more. So this is where <laughs> yeah. this is where you you have a choice to make here, yeah. Chris. A Which life one do, choice do I to want? Make. The guy sliding in the DMs or the guy hitting me in the face in person? Well, first of all. Macy doesn't slide into the DMs. He capital letters into like the yeah, you yeah. idiots. He, he, he pounces. He's the <laughs> elephant in the In the DM. best way possible. We poke fun because we love. Yeah. No, I mean, so this is the tough one because I don't, neither team right now is particularly good at doubles. I don't know what to make of a doubles point between these two teams. Um, and I agree. Sing- you actually put it perfectly. You put the glass half empty version, but it's like, yeah, like, you're both okay at doubles. Like we'll see. Yeah, like yeah. like when, when am I going to find two teams this good where they both? I mean, look look right now. Frankly, they both kind of suck it. I mean, they're not That's great. They, if they play a good team in doubles, they're going to lose right now. Sure. Um, and so yeah, I don't know which one of them is going to manage to come away with the doubles point. Uh, I really got to sit and think about that. Wow, Steph and Draxel. Jeez, uh, Draxel never gives up, but I got to lean Steph. Uh, Mock and Ieni, Aline. Jeez. <laughs> Hold no. on. I wish every listener could see the face Chris made when trying to pick Mock and Ieni. He was like, you know what? I quit. I'm not doing this. Just give me. You can give me a score if you want. Yeah, I I can't even make. I I can't make a good pick here, but I just think Kentucky's doubles will actually probably win out, and I'm gonna go four three Kentucky. Wow, that's not the pick I expected you to make. All right, let's go to the 330, defending NCAA champs Virginia, taking on the University of Michigan. Both teams push to the brink, Chris, here on day number one. Who you got on day two? Michigan. I mean, I've got to stick with Michigan. Uh, You know, obviously both good indoors. I'm a little concerned about what happened in doubles today. What happens when the unstoppable force meets the immovable object in Maloney versus Rodash? Like, here's the thing. Maloney's going to Maloney it up. Rodash is the one guy who's like, "Ah, I don't really care what you're doing. Like, that's cute. You do your thing. I mean, that that match is very likely to go three sets and finish before two straight set matches. (laughs) Yes, well said. I mean, that's going to be like six, four, three, six, six, four. And there's still going to be two matches playing a second set breaker going on. Sure. I mean, very well said. By by the way, to do this retroactively real quick, best matchup in the individual matches. Let's go very quickly. TCU taking on Georgia. What's the matchup you're watching most closely? Um, I got to run down the lineup here. We got, uh, oh my God, JPJ is playing three against, you know, against Trent Bride, right? Yeah, um, that's, come on now. That's fun. Jong uh, versus Kreuter is probably the actual pick. Yeah. I, from, just from an intriguing standpoint, you know, see it, can Bride keep it going? JPJ still hasn't won a college match yet. Uh, so they should have probably... Quinn and JPJ play and just be like, one of you's winning today. Figure yeah, yeah. Out. Someone gets to get confidence. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I'll I'll stick with JPJ and Bride. Yeah. All right, that's fine. Again, uh, for that second match, Kentucky uh, taking on USC. Wow, you know what? I would lo- I would love to see Lerner all of a sudden show up and play tomorrow and get a lefty lefty lap at at Lerner battle. That would be very fun. Also, very unlikely to happen. But right. yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think that's happening. So, um, 
I'm just I'm there, I'm there's no way I'm getting away from watching Draxel and 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 Steph. Yeah, Battle of the D's. I agree. Chris loves himself a good set of double D's. Um all right. We move sorry. That's how you know it's late. Leave it in, Westoff. Um all right. Michigan I don't think you gave a pick in Michigan for sorry, I interrupted you. So Well, no, I, yeah, I said I I said I'm definitely I'm taking I'm taking Michigan. I'm still concerned about the five, six spots with, with no bots are there. And uh throwing today's doubles blip away for for Michigan they are they they should be the better doubles team too many things scream Michigan even though the top 4 for Virginia obviously super solid but you could say the same damn thing on the Michigan side i think it's just too many things lean their way for two Michigan you want to hear a great question asked by Mike Cation to Pat Maloney in our post match he <laughs> goes he goes who's louder the Michigan team or Gruskin and Pat goes great question he goes, the upside for Gruskin is higher, meaning that he's like in the right environment, a.k.a. a match where I don't think the other coach is going to judge me. I will get after it for the boys in blue. He's like, the problem is if Gruskin's nervous, he's going to be silent. So he's like, our floor is higher. He's got the higher ceiling. I was like, honest to God, Pat, great assessment. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. I was like, you're a hard, like, if you guys are playing a school that will allow me to cheer for you um then yeah <laughs> i can get i, I, can I just get need loud. i i need i'm i'm f-ing cutting that right now <laughs> I'm, I'm not cutting it but um yeah that that will never hear the light of day so i need a double quack i'm literally putting in the notes double quack for chris off of that i'll leave that part in that's what i'll double quack everything chris says um, one sixteen twenty four. Yeah. We might even say elevator music. You know what? I'm not even addressing what you said. I'm just leaving it to the side. Um, again, this is how you know we're nearing the eighty minute mark. All right, we got to end this show. So the last pick, Chris, give it to me. Ohio State taking on Texas. Most intriguing match. What do you? Oh, by the way, what was your most intriguing Michigan match? I didn't listen. Uh oh. I well, we did. I didn't even pick one. So this is good. Uh, so Michigan, Virginia. Um. It's well, Maloney yeah. Rodash. It's got to be Maloney Rodash. I yeah. couldn't agree yeah. more. Or honestly, Gets Young is pretty good at four. That's just like a sneaky fun one. Styler versus Vonder Schulenberg at three. Wait a second. If, if Gavin Young doesn't hit cross court top spin forehand into the Gets one hander, I, you know I, I right. I'm out on Gavin Young if that doesn't happen. All right, so you already you're out on Himmy Turner. <laughs> no. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. Well, then, with all that in mind, Ohio State-Texas pick most intriguing match. Well, there, there's no way I'm not picking it. Look, they just blitzed. Granted, it was Columbus. It's still indoors. They just blitzed them in, you know, like no time flat. You have to take – as good as Texas looked, I still have to take Ohio State in this matchup. Uh, and – Mm, intriguing. I think I want to just see if Trotter can keep going. I mean, I, I Trotter versus that, Harper is a hundred percent the pick. That's a great. Yeah, yeah that's that's a that's a good match. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really well said. Again, Trotter's been so good at that number five spot. Cleaves another animal. And so again, if James Trotter is the player we've seen him be over the course of the past year. Like, he wins that match. If there's any sort of nervousness or any sort of lingering issues, Cleve will get him because Cleve looked really good today in his straight set, went at five. 
You make a pick for me. You're going Buckeyes, you said? Yeah, I'm going Buckeyes. I don't think this is the 4-0 whitewash that we saw last time. You, you never know what the score is because of, you know, if they can manage to get straight sets and the other ones could be close, just like it could have been 4-3 if they finished today. I expect a fight from Texas this time, and I think they'll actually manage to get something on the board you know, at the neutral site. I still look for more like a 4-1, 4-2 Ohio State win. All right, really well said. Well, with all of that in mind, folks, that's your look back at day number one. That's your preview of day number two, as well as our coverage of the 2023 Men's National Indoor Championships continues 9 a.m. Central Time Saturday here on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Again, the day starts with TCU taking on Georgia. It ends roughly 7 p.m. Central time with the start of that Ohio State Texas match. It'll be myself, Mike Cation, Super Producer Daniel Westoff steering the ship all weekend long. But of course, Chris Helios and I will be back tomorrow to recap what promises to be an action packed quarterfinal round. With all of that said, of course, a shout out to the aforementioned Super Producer Daniel Westoff, a f- of an any job to do day in, day out, not just with these podcasts. These streams would not be possible without his tireless efforts. Of course, a shout out as as well to our sponsors, dear friends at LS and Swing Vision LS. Dave Emke, I owe you a text because he wore Chris's sweatshirt. Um, and uh, obviously Swing Vision. Damn, Skippy. Two days in a row I'm looking at you looking good. Come on. I, look, you should see my six-pack right now. I haven't eaten Gosh. much for the past eight days because we're just always broadcasting. And, like, I don't know if I have any fat on me right now. I look as good shirtless as I have looked in a long time, Chris. And, that said, why would you want to see me shirtless when I can look this good nah, in my LS? rather see the LS. Yeah, exactly. Of course, a shout-out as well to our friends at Swing Vision. And then last but not least, shout-out to you, Chris Hallior. You know these late-night pods are maybe my favorite pods I record all year long, and I'm only able to do that because you are willing to stay up. So with that said, final thoughts go to you. Any last words on day one? No. I, I mean, I think pretty much what we expected. We get the one upset. The question is, I think I went straight chalk tomorrow do we get an upset tomorrow? I don't. I think over you may be right. Half. The over Yeah, yeah. Half. I, I think that USC Kentucky screams the best possibility to me. Uh, but it, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one, folks. And again, 9 a.m. Central Time on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. You'll be able to follow first ball to last coverage of everything that happens on quarterfinal Saturday. With all of that said, four. My fantastic co-host Chris Helioris, our super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at LS and Swing Vision. And from all of us here on both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks as always, everyone. 